I'm Kate Vendewald. And I'm Leslie Myrick. For the last year, we've been chatting weekly to discuss the ins and outs, ups and downs of running our interior design businesses and decided to hit the record button. We are interior designers getting coffee with each other and now you. While some might choose to guard the hard-earned secrets of their design success, we've chosen to support, encourage, and empower one another to be the most kick-ass business owners possible. Welcome to the Designers Getting Coffee podcast, real talk about running your design business with head and heart. Come join the conversation. This is episode three, design and business tools. What do we use that are the same and what do we use that are different? Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kate. I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you because we've had all the conversations about (laughs) this stuff together. That's right. So just to recap, if you guys don't know, Leslie and I are interior designers. We've been getting coffee every Friday morning for the last year. And we've, I don't, pro- at least every time we've met, at least because there's no more than that. Um, we always end up talking about what tools do we use? And even though we've been using a lot of these tools for a long time in the workforce, we're always just a little bit curious about what does this other person do? Could it be better? I've even experimented with some of the ones that Leslie has used. And I think maybe you have, I don't know. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, we, we just realized that you can run your business with a completely different set of tools and still be successful. So when it comes to setting up your business and making these decisions and every now and then I think it's a good idea to just go back and check and see what's out there. Make sure you're using the one that's best for you. I think it's really important that you really investigate the tools that you need for your business and stick with them. And so today Leslie and I are going to be jamming out about what tools do we use. Um, We're going to have another episode later that's, about business practices. We started to do all of that in this one episode and realized that just talking about our tools, so this is design software, this is business uh, software service type things, we wanted to make that its own episode. So stay tuned for those business practices at a later date. Leslie. Yeah. The business practices I'm excited to dive into as well because just like with all the software stuff we're going to go deeper into, There's a lot we do the same, but there's a lot we do different. And the big takeaway I think is really important from today is that there's no one right way to do this, to run a design business. Like Kate was saying, she's tried some of the software that I've recommended and I'm telling you, she ran screaming from one of them and was cursing (laughs) for making her switch. And then she showed me something that she is so into and has worked so well for her. And it just didn't click with me. I didn't see it functioning well for how I run my business. So even though we are both doing residential interior design, similar kinds of clients, I would say similar types of projects, we're both running things differently. And honestly, I'm looking at our list and we've only got two tools that are the same. I'm sorry, about five tools that are the same. And there's more tools that are different between us than even are the same. So we're going to start talking about design specific tools. So stuff to get us the visuals we need. And then later on, we will talk more in depth about business tools and what those look like behind the scenes to run our businesses. So I think it's an easy start to start with one that we both use and love for design. And that would be SketchUp Pro and Layout for doing floor plans, elevations. Kate, do you do 3D at all? Because I'm a chicken and I don't do it. 
oh no, you're going to learn 3D when you take my course that I'm getting, that I'm working on. Um, so yes, I use 3D, but only for kitchen and bath design and um, anytime I do millwork. So I do a ton of built-ins, so I use it for that. But generally, um, is for residential, I use, I use it for 2D only. Obviously, 3D is an option, and you can full-on render an interior space. And we used to do that when I worked in commercial design. Um, clients had the budgets for it, and they expected it. In residential, it's not something that clients often expect. If they want it, it's also not something they're usually willing to pay for because it comes at a premium. However, there's the HGTV effect where people see these beautiful, uh, magical real life 3D renderings and think that that's just something we do on a daily basis. So there's a little bit of education that happens there. Um, we remind them that those are big budgets paid for by huge networks and they outsource it to other countries. So, um, and I can, and I will, if you want to pay me and nine times out of 10, they're not. So I use 2D primarily to show space planning and I use 3D for kitchen, bath, and millwork design and I love SketchUp. So obviously AutoCAD is the other. We're not going to talk a lot about what the other tools are out there even though there are others. This is one that I think needs to have just a moment to talk about. The reason why I can speak for myself and probably you too Leslie, the reason why we chose SketchUp or I chose SketchUp over AutoCAD which is the industry standard is because uh, of price. Um, Auto first or Revit for that matter. Revit is the 3D modeling sister to AutoCAD. Um, they are extremely expensive, and um, and there's AutoCAD for Mac or Mac users. Um, but Auto uh, um, for me, I just I prefer working in SketchUp. I think it's more intuitive. I think it's uh, simpler, and and I just it's where I have the most of my, of my experience. So I, I can do AutoCAD, but I hate it. It's so funny because I was trained on AutoCAD and that's yeah. what I'm comfortable with and I like it and I miss it. Mm -hmm. And I'm <gasps> with you in terms of it being cost prohibitive and with me being a Mac user on PC, there's a lot of great AutoCAD lookalike software that's free or open source or more accessible and you can get very similar results to CAD. The same stuff does not exist for Mac and that could have changed but I have done my homework and I've downloaded every trial of every possible CAD style software and SketchUp wins. It does all the things and it's becoming so widely accepted. I think it started out as sort of like a fun hobby software. And now, I mean, it's legit. Real design firms use SketchUp. They use Layout and it has the tools that we need. And it is, the price is great. I mean, it's not nothing. Don't get me wrong. You've got to invest in it but it's not going to put you under as a small business owner to legitimately pay for the software that we need. I agree hundred percent. And I was, I was trying not to interrupt you because there's something I wanted to say about this. If you are a professional interior designer, if you don't invest in anything else, you must invest in real design software, not the free crap that's out there or the cheap crap that's out there because it will show. It's junk, junk, junk. And I've tried it in an effort to save money. Yeah. And it blows, so don't yeah. do it. So um, in, invest in your design software. Now, SketchUp, um, 
you, once you buy it, you have it for life and you can upgrade it every year. And I just, I want to say it's six or $700. So it's not buy it outright. And it's a hundred and something a year to keep your license. Okay. Get that upgrades. It's reasonable once you've worked out the initial chunk of change to yeah. buy it. And also there's a difference between SketchUp and SketchUp Pro and Layout. So let me make sure that we make clear what we're talking about there. So Layout is, if, you're, if you've ever used AutoCAD, you can think of model space and paper space. Um, we're talking about the same thing, but in SketchUp. And SketchUp is the program, it's its own app. And that is your modeling side of it. That's where you can see things in 3D. That's where you create everything. Layout is your paper space. It's where you create, where you have your title blocks. It's where you annotate everything. It's where you put in your dimensions, your notes, your tags, your furniture tags, your lighting tags. It's where you put in all of those sort of details, your material schedules, your lighting schedules. <laughs> um, and that's where you can scale your drawing and you can create your um plan view, your elevation view, your reflected ceiling plan view. And um, so that's the difference if anybody's unclear on what that looks like. So that's why we use the same. And that's good to point out that SketchUp Pro does come with layout. There is a free SketchUp and it's great. It's all web-based. It's no longer a download, but you don't get that paper space, the layout part of it, where you can actually take your cool things you've made and print them or present them in any sort of professional way. It's a great learning tool if you don't want to invest in SketchUp quite yet, but want to learn how to actually model and do drawings. The free online one is a great way to start, but don't stick with it too long because you are very limited with what you can actually output from it as you're yeah. If you're listening to this and you're interested in learning more about SketchUp for interior designers, um, email us at hello at designersgettingcoffee.com and I will put you on the wait list. I'm working on this right now, but it happens in the evenings and on the weekends when I'm not doing design work. So I don't have a, an expected timeline for that, but I'm going to start rolling it out this year. Yeah, that's exciting. I literally will be taking your course because Yay! <laughs> I'm so passionate about it. So, I love All that right. we're starting on such a positive note of stuff we're both passionate about because uh, we arguably get even more passionate about about <laughs> software that we do differently. This one, not so much coming up next, but so design tools, we use the same SketchUp. Woo woo, we love it. Design yeah. tools we use that are different. I'm a Photoshop girl and I'm an InDesign girl. The InDesign. And I will be honest, the only reason I don't do InDesign is because I never learned InDesign. I'm sure it's bomb diggity. For what I need and what I do, Photoshop's been everything I need and more. But Kate, I'd love to hear your experience with InDesign because I do feel like Photoshop, more people probably know Photoshop and InDesign to me feels like it's kind of the next step up. Tell me how you got into that and, and why you choose that over Photoshop. I think we might be saying this a lot today. It's just what I learned on. <laughs> um, so I learned it in school as a presentation software. So the way the interface looks is on the right-hand side, you have a number of toolbars, very similar to Photoshop, um, but you have your pages and you can create your presentation as a single spread. Like a, I use 11 by 17 to present. Um, or you can do eight and a half by 11, you can do spreads that open up like a book. I use the single layout, but then you can organize and arrange your 
pages of your presentation however you want. Um, and you can add pages and delete pages and you can also create templates. So I have template pages um, that I use and I pull from. And, and honestly, I think Photoshop can do a lot of this, in, but in a different way. Um, but also I have all of my standards set up. So anytime I open up a, an InDesign file, it has all of my preset branded fonts loaded in there and my lines that I use all the time loaded in there. And so I can select those really quickly. Um, you can choose to print, you can choose to create documents in RGB or CMYK. Those are your color modes, whether it's for print or whether it's for web. And so I like being able to switch back and forth to those. I don't know if Photoshop does that. Do you know? I don't. Yeah, you can switch back and forth. You can change from one to the other. I, you might I lose think some information, but I've never had a problem doing it. But what's intriguing me is the multiple pages in one document. That is a limitation I found with Photoshop is that you're working on one thing, one page at a time. You don't have multiple pages you can thumb through in one document. So you might also be teaching me InDesign as well as Sketch. It's, uh, okay, so it's actually another course. So the courses that I really <laughs> want to create are, I want to create um, a SketchUp for Interior Designers course um, that includes all of the aspects of 3D as well as 2D, how I use it for 2D and how I use it for 3D. But then also InDesign, I am so passionate about it. It's such an easy tool. Um, I think I pay $20 a month for it and it's invaluable for me and my business. I. I don't honestly remember how much I pay, but I think it's about that. <laughs> so, yeah, so same there. I, those are the two first courses that I would, I, I'm going to be teaching. Uh, you know, I have, we have a friend that uses um, PowerPoint. Um, I don't think it's as robust. Um, yeah. Oh, gee, I forgot a, ma a major thing that I do in InDesign that again, you'd have to tell me if you can do it in Photoshop, but when you place an image into InDesign, you're not copying it somewhere and pasting it into, you can, but that's not the best practice. The best practice is to save the image into a file folder that you're, where you're saving all your images for a project and you place it. So you use a command D and you place it in there. And let's say you get your, let's say it's a, a sofa, for example, and you've put it over a rug. So you're starting to layer things, but you're still playing around with which sofa you like best. Let's say then you've landed on the sofa that you want, but it has a white background, which you definitely want to knock out. So I go open up that image in Photoshop and I knock out the background, the white background. So it has, uh, what do you call it? It's transparent background. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> um, then I don't have to save it and put it back into InDesign. All I do is I go back to InDesign. There's a little link uh, bar on the right and it shows a um, a symbol it's a exclamation point and I just double click that and it refreshes it and it brings in the updated version I can do the same thing with my drawings if I change a drawing in uh, once I've PDF'd all of my drawings if I go in and I change something then all I have to do is relink that or refresh it and it automatically puts in the newest version so that's a time saver but you do still need Photoshop to take the background out, correct? Yeah, I, that's all I use it for. But it, I mean, I, it doesn't matter. I get all of, for what I pay, I get all of the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's all great. It was just funny you mentioned that. I was like, so maybe Photoshop isn't so bad. But I still no, have the benefit of doing both for sure. 
Yeah. And, and that's I think there's, I like Photoshop because I make all my mood boards and I clip all the backgrounds and I layer them. I'm like, I love doing mood boards. And for me, Photoshop is a great fit, but you're right. You have to change, edit an image, do something. And it's not as simple to link it to a file, as you said, with InDesign. So that's something to consider is how they can both play nice together and give yeah. you a better presentation results. Yeah. So you guys, if you're not familiar, both InDesign and Illustrator and Photoshop, that's three I realize, um, are all part of Adobe's design suite. There, There's more. <laughs> there's That's where you have Lightroom, lots more. Um, but it's all under the brand of Adobe. So um, cool. We should probably go to the next uh, next round of talking about business tools. Ding, ding, ding. Those are yeah, so let's real quickly jam out on what we use the same. So uh, for our project management, so where we organize our to-do list for our clients essentially is Asana. We both use Asana and love it. I actually use it for personal life too. And I share it with my husband and I assign my husband tasks and he feels very warm about that. <laughs> It's a 21st yeah. century honey-do list. <laughs> there you go. I love Asana. It's, I started it when I was solo and it really is built for teams. So it felt kind of awkward at first to like make a task, assign it to me, assign it to me. Like, this feels weird. But it meant that as soon as I rolled in a team and I now have two people working with me, it was a no brainer because I already had the systems in place to be able to manage our projects assign tasks, put due dates on things. So it was a really natural progression. I love Asana because you can make templates. And so yeah. we've built out some pretty sick templates for every step of our client process. Everything has tasks and subtasks, and it's easy to just assign it to people as we get new projects. We're not thinking, oh, did we send Mrs. Johnson her contract? Oh, did we remember to do a thank you card? Oh, have we sourced the plumbing? We have all these built out in templates so we can really drag and drop for a new project and have our master task list, our master to-do list, clear and ready to go and organized, and it follows the same systems and procedures we've used every single time. Plus Asana is real pretty. It's one of the nicer looking ones. Oh my gosh, <laughs> not to mention the unicorns. Whenever you accomplish a number of tasks, especially if you're like checking off a bunch of them, these brilliant unicorns fly across your screen. And it's pretty amazing. That makes you my feel life. real good about your life and that, your business. Yeah. If you're a dude in this industry, you're just going to have to embrace the unicorn. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's great. Um, I also like the ability in these, in these lists to, um, drag and drop tasks. So we also use it for organizing the podcast and our topics and things like that. Um, we can assign each other things, but, um, you like, I don't, I, there was something and we decided that this needs to be its own group. Like, let's just say with social media, for example. Um, and then I moved some tasks that were under a different heading under this master list. I'm not, really not saying this very clearly right now. <laughs> Help me out, Leslie. Free. Just go try it. Poke yeah. Away. Have fun. And it's it. free, y'all. It's free. 99. There is um, a premium, but I yeah. can say I have tried it and it wasn't worth it for me. And I've heard that from other designers. Not to say it might not be a fit for you, but I didn't find the premium had enough features that were necessary to justify the very expensive expense. The free version is awesome. Kate and I both use it. We love it. Asana cool. for the win. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you use? I know the answer to this. <laughs> what do you use to schedule and book meetings and calls with either potential clients or existing clients? Because go ahead. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> so this is actually a, a, not a pain point anymore, but for a while I was on the fence of whether to move to an automated scheduler because I was looking at it as, you know, I'm a boutique business. I want that level of customer service. Do I just want someone to be able to click and book an appointment or do I want an email or a call where we can start a relationship and my assistant can have a conversation and get someone on the calendar? Ultimately, using Acuity for our scheduling to get people to book an initial consultation call has been amazing. It is easy. It's intuitive. It syncs with all of our calendars and we'll talk more about calendars soon. And I found it's kind of a barrier free way to get people on your calendar. It, I feel like it's a lot more challenging when someone comes to your website. If the call to action is pick up the phone and call me or send an email, people don't know what to send. Like it's just sort of, it's a bit overwhelming. If you say, Hey, go ahead and book a free consultation call. They click a button, they put in their name and phone number and they're on your calendar. And boom, it's just, it's a great starting off point. So I've been really, really happy with Acuity as my scheduling app. And I think Kate, you have the same software and the same love for Acuity that I do. I have, so it's okay. I'm really interested to talk a little bit about this and we might start to get into this like business practice conversation, but I'm going to try to rein it in here. You just said something that was really interesting that I hadn't really thought of. So I am not using Acuity as robustly as I used to, and I'll tell you why. But there's something that you just said to me that makes me think maybe I should try it again. So here's here's what happened. I did use Acuity again for that initial. So she and I both do an initial like 15, 20 minute call with somebody where we, you know, begin the conversation in the process. And I used to have it so that a client could book that on my website. Um, I remember distinctly this one client booked a call with me for Tuesday and it was on like a Thursday. So I was like, yay, I look forward to talking to her on Thursday because that was the soonest time frame that she could find on my acuity calendar. Um, Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning rolled around and I got an email from her that said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I, I'm going to go ahead and cancel my call with you. I talked to someone yesterday being Monday. Um, and I've decided to go to go with her, but thank you. And I was like, Oh my God, I so could have talked to her on Thursday. <laughs> and so now what I've switched to is a very brief, concise form. I don't want to make it too difficult for them. You want to limit the amount of barriers that somebody has to getting on the phone with you. Give me your name, your phone number, and tell me a little bit about what's going on. And I will give you a call within 24 hours, unless it's a weekend or a holiday. I include that in there. And so now if somebody completes that and sends it to me, I literally, unless I'm like driving, I drop what I'm doing and I call that person because that person is hot. That is a hot lead. They are thinking about it. It's on their mind. It's they're in that moment of feeling pain about their pain points are raging right now. <laughs> Give them a call. Tell them that you're the solution. And so that's, that's what I'm doing. Now, I would tell you that uh, back in Denver, right before we moved here last summer, I was so freaking busy. I was, I could, like the idea of talking to a potential new client was just, <laughs> it was like, ah, 
<laughs> it was a good problem to have. So if you're in a place like that, you're, you're very, very busy. Um, you've got a six month wait time. Um, and granted, I, this can change for me too. And it will change for us right now. We're in a period of like, nope, let's bring them in. Um, you might consider doing it differently. You might, it's almost sort of a slight weeding process. Like if they're willing to wait, you know, a few days to talk to you, they're really interested in, in working with you specifically. So figure out where you are in your business. And I would say respond accordingly and be ready and willing to change that if your circumstances change. You know, if you know that you're getting ready to go travel the country for six months, like, Maybe you don't put that form in. Maybe you do a, a scheduled call, but I don't know. I could see it the way Leslie said too, where it's like you want to get them on the phone at a time where, you know, you know, you're quiet and focused and ready to make that sales pitch. <laughs> I fully agree with that. I never answer my phone my business phone. If I don't know who is calling, my husband gives me grief. He's like, you could be missing a client. I was like, if they really want me they'll leave a voicemail and I'll call them back real quick. But I never take a call when I can't actually sit down and take the call properly and be really present for it. Yes. But Kate, you made a really fantastic point about accepting calls at a certain timeline really has to do with how busy you are in the moment and how how able you are to take on new clients. You, if you've got six active clients and you are swamped, you're not going to pick up the phone right away and spend that time onboarding a new client. It's okay if they wait three days, five days until you have actual availability. And honestly, from a, a client perspective, I don't think it always looks great to have the designer be immediately responding too eager. Sometimes it sets the kind of gives the vibe that you're not as successful as you want to be, or you don't have work to do because you can react so quickly. I certainly don't want people to wait. I don't want people to feel like they're being ignored, but I actually only schedule my intake calls Tuesdays, Wednesday afternoon and Thursday. So that's already a limit on it. I've set aside Mondays for business development work, for marketing, for blogging, for networking. And I set aside Fridays for this awesome podcast and <laughs> wrapping up stuff before the weekend. So I won't even, in very rare circumstances, I would manually talk to someone, not through Cutie, and book a call for one of those days. But, and well, I, this is a great future topic, this idea of like blocking out your time for the work week. I don't want to be taking calls Monday morning because I have other priorities that I need to take care of to make sure the business keeps running and we get through the week well. So I do love Acuity for that because I have my limits as to when I take calls. Yep. Most people book it and it's fine, but occasionally I'll get an email saying, hey, I'm a nurse and I don't get off work until X. Can we book a call here? Or, hey, I see you don't have any availability Monday. I'm going out of town. Is there any chance we could do a call? In those cases, I'm happy to do it because I know that person is really interested and committed. They're willing to even go the extra step. But I agree with you, Kate, that you don't want to have a high barrier or be... It's, it's a weird sort of middle ground to find because it stinks that that client went with someone else. But if someone, like if they couldn't wait one more day to talk to you, that probably wouldn't be an ideal client anyway, because think of the timelines they would be holding you to, or the demands they would have on your time. You need to run your business your way and yeah. clients need to be educated on how you do it. They don't get to tell you when you can talk to them. 
Yeah. That sounds real harsh. That's like a boss, Leslie. (laughs) I love it. No, I I love it. And so I I think the point is run your business in context and where you are and there's a season for everything. And um, the point is Acuity is a great tool to schedule your calls and um, meetings with potential clients and existing clients online. They do it at a click of a button so that, so you can, we should talk about the actual tool for a minute. So it is a calendar system. It syncs with, we use Google calendar, but it syncs with outlook. It syncs with whatever calendar you use. Um, and you can tell it, you can customize your availability. Um, and then, so like if I put on my Google calendar, you know, taking my girls to see the dentist to this day at three o'clock, like it'll tell acuity don't allow anybody to book a call at this time because doesn't matter why, but she's not available. Um, so you can customize your availability. Um, you can even click a button that says, you know, to automatically block out random times to make you appear more busy and more, uh, uh, you know, hard more to get. In demand. <laughs> yeah, more in demand, um, which there is, you know, there is something to the optics of that, as Leslie mentioned. Um, so yeah, it runs um, in the background there. You can create a, oh, we didn't even put on our list what websites we, what we use for our websites, but um, you can add it to your website. And so you can direct your clients to go to this page on your website and it's fully branded for you. Or you can have a link where they, it goes to the Acuity interface. I don't recommend that because for the very inexpensive cost of using Acuity, you can have a custom form on your website. And you can create, you can even create questionnaires that you ask your clients to fill out before talking to you. And again, I've played around with the length of that and at what point to send that to a client. And, but the point is that questionnaires are an option. Um, You can include add-ons. So if you're booking for us, we both have similar services that are, um, you know, a two hour consultation, a full day consultation, and then like full service. I mean, you can do add, create add-ons if you want. Um, you can accept payment through Acuity. I yes. That. I don't like doing it that way. I want to have that, that phone call, that relationship first and not just have it be, you know, an Amazon transaction where they click and buy a consultation. But for certain business models, e-design, if you do mostly online and virtual, you can actually have people click and buy through Acuity, get on your calendar and pay you at the same time. That's true. Do you ever use Acuity to book meetings or calls with your existing clients? Guys, the whole point of this is that you're not emailing back and forth with your clients or potential clients, your availability. And that is such a time suck. You're like, no girlfriend, here's a link to my availability. Book it here. I don't actually use it with existing clients, but I do have a few secret Acuity links. I don't share them publicly. But I've had people reach out to me that are like, hey, I would like you to coach me. Or, hey, can you just answer a few questions and help me? You know, I'm a student. I have a new business. And I've, I've set up through Acuity a 20-minute meet and greet chat. So someone can just get on my calendar for a quick call. We don't have to go back and forth. Um, I have a link to book my first in-home 90-minute consultation. I usually do it on the first call with somebody. But there are times when a client needs to talk to a partner or spouse or doesn't have their calendar in front of them. And if it gets to that point, I send them, this is a whole other thing we can talk about later. I send them a virtual kickoff kit to start their project. And in there is a link where they can actually book that first 
session. So on my website, client facing, all clients see is book a call with me to get started. But I do have acuity running in the background for other needs as they come up to free up my time and to make things a lot more automated and easy and really more convenient for everybody involved. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, what's next? Talk about bookkeeping software. I know, (laughs) I know we do use the same thing now. (laughs) You are not into it. I mean, I've used a handful. I started on fresh books back in the day and it was great when I was just doing services, moving into a more robust business model with products and services and markups and margins and all that stuff. I'm on QuickBooks and I will say, I know it's supposed to be fairly easy to use, but it's not. So paying my bookkeeper every month is the best money I spend in my business. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Yeah. Kate and I are both on QuickBooks. I love it only because I don't have to touch it. And I just find out from my bookkeeper what's all going on. I don't know, Kate, if you're more hands-on with it, if you have some more help with it. The only thing I use it to create invoices for, um, so again, I'm not using Acuity right now to book our first 90 minute consultation. When I get them on the phone, I like to book it, schedule it right in that moment. And then I quickly follow up within like five minutes with an invoice. So I'll got a quick invoice, put in their name, their address, um, and send them a link to that. So I, I do it, um, to create invoices. I also, for, um, whenever I'm giving a client a proposal for furnishings or once they've gotten that proposal and they're like, yes, they've, they've signed off on everything. Then I create an invoice and I send them that to pay for their, their furnishings. So I create invoices. I ask for money with it and it's great for asking people for money, but when it comes to like reconciling that and running reports, my bookkeeper does all that business. All right, next. (laughs) So yeah, QuickBooks, I mean, it's a, it's an industry standard for a reason. I used to use zero X E R O zero. And I loved it. The interface is, I think really, you guys, I'm, I don't mean to sound so superficial, but like, I like a pretty interface. It's got to look good or I don't want to work on it. And zero has that down pat. So zero X E R O. But anyway, it is, it is what it is. You're not, it's not like you're working in it all day long. So, um, what else do we, so these are things we use that are the same Google calendar. That's pretty obvious. We love our Google calendar. And you know, I will mention Kate, you talked about acuity blocking off time from your calendar. Yeah. You can sync it with multiple calendars, which is part of why I love Google calendar and part of why I love acuity because girl in my Google calendar, I have my main business calendar. I have a to be confirmed calendar for appointments. I have my personal calendar. I have my husband's calendar. We have our podcast calendar. There's all sorts of factors that need to go in booking time. So A, I love multiple calendars in pretty colors and B, I love community <laughs> works with all that to make sure my appointments don't get biffed up and people right. aren't booking a call when I'm taking my kid to the doctor or I'm just straight up not available. But the point being is that you can block, like you're not going to on an acuity's interface when you're setting up your, when you're creating your settings, you're not telling it to read your husband's calendar because you can take a call if your husband's at the dentist. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> okay, got it. All right. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. I use it the same way. Okay. So, this so is let's get to the fun it. stuff. And guys, oh my gosh, we are, I don't know. We might just spend the whole rest of the time talking about this because we get fired up on this next topic. This is one of the reasons we decided to have a podcast is because <laughs> we, got, we got some passionate conversation going about this next business tool. So we've got a list of five more coming, but we might have to just we leave. We may not get to those. We'll just see how it goes. And I will just say that any of the SHI, 
mm-hmm, talking that you hear over the next 20 minutes is in total 100% love. Um, you know, Absolutely. Something. I don't think there's anything wrong with either of these <laughs> software. I know each of them has amazing features. Each of them has features that we have to work through. This is what has worked well for us. So right now let's talk about actual interior design business software, things that we use that are really interior design specific. And for me, that is Ivy. So Ivy is so we're talking, I- we're talking here guys about our specifying tool. What do we use to specify things for a client? If you are using a spreadsheet to do this girl, stop, girl, go get the software. So we'll tell you about two great options. So right now I am on Ivy. I've been with them almost two years and I came from studio webware. Some of you might be familiar with that. It's kind of the OG for interior design specifying. It's where you can add all your products. You can invoice clients. You can do all your accounting. It's an all-in-one software. It feels, I know they're making, you're talking about Ivy, not, not the other one. No, no, I'm talking about studio webware. So, okay. Yes. So studio webware is where I started and I just found it clunky and it wasn't the right fit for me. Ivy for me was a breath of fresh air and it was intuitive (laughs) and pretty and it did all the things in the ways I needed to do it in terms of how I do proposals and invoices. All my purchase orders are in there. I have my product library. It's got our project tracker with all, you know, every item for a project, all the status. I mean, it is nerd heaven, but it's pretty (laughs) And I like it and it's It's not pretty. What are you talking about? This is my turn. You can go next. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty and I love it. Okay. Clearly we're not asking these guys to be sponsors. It sounds like I am. I think Ivy's great. Anyway, (laughs) I've been really happy with it. I like it because it syncs with QuickBooks. So I do the Ivy stuff. My bookkeeper does the QuickBooks stuff. And I love that the team at Ivy is constantly listening to their user feedback and improving. It did not have all the features it has today when I started, and it's only getting better and better. I know it has its downside, Kate, because I know it was not for you. But I will say for me, Ivy has been the best business tool for, for me. That's where I do invoices, proposals, purchase orders, keeping track of my client database, my vendor database. Um, that's where we do all our time tracking. It's a really, really robust tool for interior designers. And I was singing its praises and Kate was like, Hey girl, I want to check that out. And she tried a free trial of it. And I felt like I set her up on a bad blind date. It was not a match made in heaven. And she was real sad about it. So Kate uses software called gather. And I, I want her to share more about it because I think it's a beautiful, great tool I didn't find it as robust as I needed. There's other sort of supplementary software you need to get the same results as Ivy. But Kate is a gather girl through and through, and she does beautiful work and beautiful presentations. So tell us why you are into your boyfriend (laughs) gather, and I'm going to stay here with my boyfriend, Ivy. Oh, so first of all, Ivy does have some amazing features. And really, those were the things where gather is beautiful, but it's also very functional. It's not perfect. Um, And that's you know, in those areas where it was lacking is what intrigued me about Ivy. Um, I will, we may or may not get to it, but for timekeeping, I use Harvest and Leslie uses Ivy. Um, Although we, we did like, for me, what I found was that the interface of using, to me, it was all about the interface um, with Ivy, but um, it just didn't, 
it was kind of clunky um for for me um <laughs> if you're watching on you if you we also share this on YouTube, but Leslie just made a great face. Um, so what I love about Gather, number one, is the interface. It is clean and bright and so easy to visually organize your projects. Um, so again, it has a project li or an item library, which Ivy does as well. Um, you can pull from your library and add it to a project. So you can track all of your products. You can track your budget. Um, so when you're at the, so you have several levels of interacting with Gather, and at the highest level is you have your overall business level that shows you all of your clients, um, and then you can click on one of those clients, and then you're in the project view um, where you can see your your client's name and the budget, and then you can set your overall budget for the project, and then as you add things to the project, you can kind of see where you are in relationship to your overall budget. So that's great. Um, you can organize it by um, room or space. I sometimes, uh, depending on whether I'm working on, say, a kitchen project with a contractor, I will actually organize it by product type. Like I'll put all of our paints in one section, all of our uh, furniture and lighting and plumbing is all kind of grouped together versus by room. Um, so your client view, you have, it's very simple, just thumbnail, it's, but it's a good size. It's not little, it's a big, big per perfectly sized picture of the product. So, um, let's just say we're doing like furnish. So perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfectly sized picture. Um, and you click on the image and it has just a brief like name underneath it. There's very little information. And then it, the only other information that is there is the status. So you can change the status of the item from unspecified, which is the lowest level, to specified, or sorry, proposed, um, to approved, disliked, and then I think that's it. I feel like there's another one. I'm Oh, ordered, received, installed. Yeah, so those are the sort of different statuses that you can give each item. Anyway, so then you click on the item and you can see all of the specifications of each item. So the name, description, dimensions, you give it an item tag. So if you're doing furnishings, you're you know tagging all of your furniture and uh, layout. And let's say the sofa, you've got F1, side chairs, you've got F2. You those tags that are in SketchUp correspond with what is in your specifications. So you know that you're talking about the same piece of furniture and you can see where it all goes. Of course, you talk this all through in your design presentation. That's there. URL, um, link to the source, um, finishes, then descriptions. And then there's another tab and that's where you put in all the money about it. So your base price, your markup, your discount, your client price, quantity, your extended price, all of that. This is the area where Gather is, it's, I'm actually having conversations with folks at Gather because in my mind, it's imperfect <laughs> and it could use, it could be tweaked. Um, but from their perspective, they've been talking to other designers too who believe that it's working perfectly and are really hesitant to change. And in my mind, I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like it's... But we're and literally I have an inbox an email from them on this conversation right now. So it's doable and it works for us. And we've figured out how to just put in the math so that it makes sense. We can calculate our markups, we can calculate everything that we need. Um, 
so our our financing or our finances around a project can be really dialed in. Um, yeah, and then there's more to it, but um, that's its own conversation. So I just love the way that that's organized. You can turn on what elements a client can see. So if you want to show client discount, you can. If you don't, you don't have to. You can change that at the settings level. Um, you can turn off URL and who, it, who the manufacturer is. So if you're sort of selling, you know, a white label uh, sectional sofa, but you don't want to say who the manufacturer is because you don't want them to go shop it, you have that as an option. It just depends on how you run your business. Um, so you can turn off whatever you want the client to see or not see. You can toggle that. Um, and then you can export really, really slick and beautiful um, cut sheets that have you know, a, a nice size image of the item and then all of the details associated with that in, in a one page PDF form that you use for a presentation. Um, I like that you, at that same level when you're exporting those PDFs, you can determine what information you want to export. So if you don't want to put in any pricing, you just want to put details about the product, you can set that or you can turn it all on. And for us, we print out two sets. We send out print out a client set um, and that has a certain number of things that are turned on and off and then we have our set which turns all of the details on and we print that out and it goes into our client binder so I love that um, it does sync with QuickBooks and you can export um, I can't remember why but my bookkeeper and I went over that and it we decided to do it a little differently I feel like I should revisit why we made that choice <laughs> but um, maybe that's in the business practices conversation I, I think I know because we of the way I build my clients, but yeah, so that's gather mostly it's the interface. I like just being able to drag and drop things around and organize them. Um, you know, things that are unspecified are kind of grayed out. Um, so the opacity is lower. So you don't, um, so you can really quickly visually see what you're nailing down and formalizing versus what's maybe on the table and up for consideration. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm going on and on and on, but I just thought of a few more quick little things that it does also include that are so important. Um, the comments section. So you can, after a client's presentation, I invite the clients to gather and they go in and they can approve or um, decline any of the things that we talked about. A lot of times I go ahead and approve all the things that they verbally approved, but if there's anything questionable, I leave it in there and give them a chance to come back and make a final determination. Um, then there's a comments section. So if there's an item that is, there's some conversation around it, rather than back and forth in emails, I direct the clients to make those comments there so that we can keep all of our item specific conversations really well organized. So that's another one that's huge for me. Um, then there's also a section to upload files so I can upload all of our drawings there so the client can access that. I also upload a PDF version of our presentation that they've already seen so that's there to access. Um, and also um, on kitchen and bath projects that I've been working on, I also invite my contractor to um, the project. So like for me personally, I don't order paint, I don't order tile, I don't order I order wallpaper. I don't order plumbing fixtures. I just, no, I don't want to deal with all that <laughs> furniture all day long. So um, I keep that information there for the, for the contractor to access so he can purchase through there. And the contractor could also comment on the project. 
I think I'm done. That's all great. And I see, <laughs> thank you for sharing, Kate. <laughs> I, I see why this works better for you than it did for me. And I have weirdly found, while I do have digital parts of working with clients, I actually prefer to do my big presentations in person, which I think you do as well. But then you like to invite them back on the digital side for some more feedback and information. I found that when I was doing that, my clients never did it anyway. And leaving them with a nice presentation package was our best way to work. So I don't often, they have links to all the invoices and things in Ivy, but I honestly find my clients don't really go back there. But I absolutely see for a client that maybe, especially for a virtual client, someone that is more tech savvy, who might be, you know, wanting to approve line by line versus a full, you know, gut remodel where you don't really get to, you obviously get to pick, but it's not quite the same as like, here's a living room. Do you like this table? Yes or no. I do see advantages to doing it the more digital way that Gather does. Part of why I chose Ivy I will say the tear sheets, like you mentioned your cut sheets. Oh my gosh. I used to do them in Google drive manually. And when I saw that Ivy had like these beautiful branded tear sheets with similar options where you can pick and choose what to show, I was like, take my money, sign me up. I'm going to make this happen. But, um, part of why I love Ivy is I feel like it integrates more other features that gather is lacking. And that's not a bad thing. It's just different ways of working. So you've got gather, you've got QuickBooks, you have to do harvest separately for time tracking. There's just other software involved. For me, Ivy made the most sense because yes, you need QuickBooks too, but it pushes automatically. I'm not manually doing stuff in QuickBooks and Ivy included time tracking, which was really valuable for me and my team to have everything localized. So that's really the biggest difference I see function wise is the fact that both have the option to do it all. Ivy has more integrated than Gather does, but Gather has certain advantages too in terms of how your clients interact with the software and with you as a designer. It really comes down to your preference of how do you want to run this business? Do you like doing things a little bit more manually on paper? Do you want to be more web-based, more digital with your clients and just say, hey, here's the link to your Gather presentation. Let's talk about it in here. Yeah. And actually you bring up, Ooh, sorry. I bring up a, you bring up a good point. I, I bring up a good point. You here, bring up so. good points too, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Um, I recently had an experience with a client presentation where, um, in the actual presentation with his maybe one day wife, his girlfriend who I left like in the presentation in the moment, everything was a resounding yes. I was like, yes, yeah. I would, and then they added on some more stuff that wasn't even in the scope. And, and I mean, we were high-fiving all over the place when that meeting was done. And after the presentation, I went back and I was like, okay, here's your link to gather and um, go ahead and, uh, you know, I should have just gone in and approved everything we talked about and just like, and this is how I intend to do it in, in the future is, you know, take their money in the moment, in the time where they're saying yes, um, and get that commitment from them right away. Because if you give them opportunity to second guess and to second guessing, like we've already done the second guessing for you, buddy, <laughs> we trust us, this keeps this up at night. Um, then you open the door to things changing and it really evolving the timeline of a project and that's exactly what happened and we woke up the next morning and opened up gather and our jaws were on the floor we were like what happened like 
he approved all the stuff in person yesterday. And now like half of it was disliked or rejected. And we were like, ah, it was a sad day. So I definitely like, um, you know, just if they are committed, go ahead and do it and get it done. Um, this isn't in any way meant to be sneaky at all. It's, I mean, I just know that human nature, we have a tendency to overthink things sometimes. And our clients need to know, like, we've done the thinking for you. We've evaluated hundreds of options for you. We're not presenting this to you for any reason other than we think it's the best option for you based on your style, your life, your, your setup, your lifestyle, your budget, um, how it's all going to work together, timeline, how long is it going to take? Like, this is the one, this is it. Yeah. Like, you want to pay us to redesign it? Like, you're wasting your money. <laughs> so I, I think that is a good point that um, I have, I sort of learned that lesson the hard way recently. Um, and I will change it somewhat moving forward. But I think in other ways, it's been useful. So I think maybe it's just determining what kind of a client you're working with and their personalities and make a decision. But yeah, with my e-design clients, 100%, like that's just not even a question. And ultimately, no matter what software you choose specifically, it's all about how can you best communicate your design vision and your value to your clients, period. That's the whole point of this software. All of these design software, project management, whatever's, is that you need to be able to take what's in your beautiful creative little brain, get it into an organized way that has clear pricing, details, great photos, a clear presentation, and get that in front of your clients so they can understand what you want to do, understand what are next steps for them, and understand, understand how to make it, how you're going to make it amazing for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, um, yeah, when it, when it comes to our specking tools, um, you guys do, do your homework and look at both options and figure out what, what works best for you. Leslie, do you remember off the top of your head what, um, Ivy costs? I don't. And that's because I'm on an older plan and they have recently changed their pricing model. So I actually don't know much about how they're currently pricing things. Right. I would, and I don't believe they list, a, they might list it publicly, but if you're curious about Ivy, there's a free trial, get on one of their one-on-one -on -one webinars with one of their people. They'll make you do it, but it's worth it so that you can learn the features from them and see if it's a good fit. And if you try it out and hate it, fairly certain that there is a trial period, you can say goodbye if it's not a good fit for you. So I recently had this experience and I'll tell you what they offer. Um, I, they, this could change over time. It may be different today. It may be different in the future. I don't know. But as of my experience a few months ago, it was, you get on the call, they walk you through it. And then if you sign up in that moment, they offer a $200 discount and they, they ask you to pay in advance for a year. And then you have 30 days to use it, um, to decide if you want to keep it. And they changed their model. It's a, it's now priced per project, I believe. So it is, it's different from how you or I are familiar with their pricing, but. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you gathers has, um, a couple of levels as well. And you get a discount for paying per year, um, versus uh, month to month and also how, however many users you have. So it is, it is priced differently. Um, it is cheaper than Ivy quite a bit, but
but um, right now it doesn't have timekeeping tools. So I use Harvest for that. And when I add them up even together, they are cheaper than Ivy. What now tell me what was your, <laughs> all right, we shouldn't like, Never mind. I'm not going to jam on any of them. I just like the timekeeping thing. What I like, here's what, here's what I'm going to talk about what I like. I like harvest because it's how I track my time. So, um, she and I both bill our full service clients by the hour and um, we give them an estimate of our hours at the outset of a project that we um, sort of agree to. God, there's, there's a podcast episode. I've already here. changed that a little bit since we've talked. So yeah, there's definitely a future. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so it's important to track your time. It's important whether you're doing flat rate or hourly to track your time. So you know what, how long it takes to do things and you can price your services accordingly. Um, but I use Harvest and there's a web version and then you can download the app onto your iPhone and your computer. And I just, as soon as I sit down to start working on a client's project, I turn it on and it runs. I can see it. It's up in the little top bar running. And then if I stop to go eat lunch, I just click it off and it just keeps running. If I forget to turn it off, I get a little reminder that says, Hey, this has been running and you've been idle. Do you want to keep this time or do you want to get rid of it and stop it where you got went idle? Anyway, so it's pretty intuitive in that way. Um, you obviously from the, when you're setting up a client, you put in a budget for how many hours you have to spend. You can put, um, so like I have my rate and then I have my design assistant. She has a different rate. So each project I can assign whoever I want to that project and I give them their billable rate. And so I can see in a snapshot, all of my clients and where are we, um, on time. So if client a had a hundred hours estimated for their project when I'm setting them up, I'll put in a hundred hours. If right off the bat, I start just like going way over on hours, I need to stop and either evaluate, am I using my time well, or is there more to this? And I need to go back and have a conversation with the client. So, um, I like it from that standpoint. I can really clearly see how I'm tracking on a project. Again, it's graphics, graphics, are everything. <laughs> Just so Ivy doesn't feel left out, I will say it does 95% of that. I'll leave it at that. But I, I'm not someone who can sit down and press a button to start a time tracker. I never remember to start it. I never remember to finish it. The way it works for me and my team, we end up going back end of day and putting in our hours or as we go, as we think of it. But I've never found the actual, I'm monitoring your time, time tracker right now. Things have worked for me because I just straight up forget about them. So again. Okay. So that's interesting because I, I, on the days where I, I don't do that very often. I'm pretty, I'm pretty rigid about that. But guys, that comes from working at a large architecture firm. Like you, our time had to be accounted for to the sixth minute they build just like lawyers do. And I had to do that, but we didn't use harvest when I was working there. I'm like, God, why not? That would have been great. And so I would use that method of going back at the end of the day and sort of making something up and either I felt like I was overestimating or I like was underestimating like, Oh yeah, I had a 15 minute phone call with so-and-so and I didn't account for that time. And guess what? That's money in the bank. So for me, it's like, and also I'm a visual person. So I like, when I see that clock, it keeps me on task. I feel like like I'm on the clock right now. I can't get distracted by some random email that shows up in my inbox. It, in a way, it keeps me accountable and keeps me focused. 
that's a great way to look at it. That if you find tools that help keep you on track, keep you accountable, keep you focused, then you've probably found the right tool for you and your business. And speaking of time, we got to wrap party up, girl. (laughs) I'm so excited about this conversation. There's so, I mean, we just blabbed on for an hour with all this information. So I hope we didn't overwhelm you guys, but we are going to give you a free PDF download of our design and business tools checklist, which you can get at designersgettingcoffee.com. So we'll have all of these software tools linked and a couple others we didn't even get to we'll include as bonuses stuff we use for social media, stuff we used for um, password management. There's some other great tools and websites too. We didn't even get to talk about that today that we both host on different websites and have very strong opinions on our different hosting. Oh yeah. You, I use Squarespace. I use WordPress. What up? We'll talk about that later. So a few takeaways we want to leave with you guys. The first is when choosing new software, take advantage of trial offers. Try something out for a month. Uh, try to avoid committing for a year until you know it's the right fit for you because you might be like my poor friend Kate here who uh, just had a bad relationship <laughs> and needed to get out of it and was grateful for a trial period. You but, would marry a guy on the first date, would you? No, you'd want to give him at least a one-month trial with a credit card that could be refunded. You also want to pick a tool and stick with it. I mean, I'm not saying forever, but at least give it the trial period. Give it a solid month to really see how it works for you and your business practices and your style and your everything. So I just want to add the important thing there is, is to don't jump back and forth between two different tools. Like if you choose to use Dropbox for your file management and file sharing, use Dropbox, just commit to it. If you choose Google Drive, commit to it and use that. In some cases, it does make sense to go back and forth, but very, very, very rarely. Um, you know, if you're using Harvest to track your time, stick with Harvest. If you're using Ivy to track your time, stick with Ivy. So that way you never have to question like, where am I supposed to be putting this information? Um, that's, that's the point of that. Yeah. Get your systems nailed down, find what works for you, stick with it. And I think the overarching theme of this whole episode and pretty much all of our episodes is that there's more than one way to run your design business. And it's about finding what jives with you. There are little nuances about you as an awesome human being, an awesome designer, how you want to run things, how you communicate, how visual you like things. And there's, there's always going to be multiple options for everything. It really is about doing your homework, giving things a try, and then committing and sticking to the stuff that works the best for you, period. Drop the mic. (laughs) Once again, we're ending with a mic drop. (laughs) We're so happy you guys were here again for episode three. Grab your coffees. Come join us over on Instagram at Designers Getting Coffee, Facebook at Designers Getting Coffee, and we'll be back every Friday morning with awesome new episodes for you. All right. Y'all have a good week. Bye. Hey designer, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to connect with badass design bosses like you. For more Designers Getting Coffee and to join the conversation, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Designers Getting Coffee.